You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, Ryan. It's been a couple weeks since we've had a pot, maybe even three weeks or so since we had a podcast together. It's great to see you, you beautiful man. <laughs> well, you're off becoming, you know, the next soccer star. So Bruce Arena, you know, uh-huh. Bruce Arena, trying to do my thing. You know, hey, the, the Hawks are flying high right now. Um, you know, as we speak, we just we just won another game today. Um, listen, you're, the, you're the king of northeastern Indiana middle <laughs> school soccer. Listen, I, uh, I love, uh, I grew up playing soccer. My dad was a big soccer player and it was great, but like, it, it's, um, it's like watching paint dry like, as compared to the action of a lacrosse game. I know I'm going to make a lot of people upset, but it's all good. I, I love playing it and I enjoy coaching it. It's just, it's just not the same as you would, would, uh, if you were coaching a lacrosse game. The real question everybody wants to know is how many Italians do you have? Man, let me tell you something. <laughs> I do not. I do not, oh, have, too I bad. do not have any Italians. And and for those of you who don't get the reference, um, <laughs> it's it's a Will Ferrell classic, and I suggest you show uh, you go take a take a look at it. I believe it's on most streaming platforms, so I would go look at it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, moving but, on. Lacrosse news. So just if you know, we we recorded this super late this week because we wanted to get a lot of this conference tournament play to talk about, but. You know, while we're waiting for that to happen today, the PLL goes ahead and announces that, or I don't, yeah, no, they did. It was them. It was for sure them on their account. So they go ahead and announce that they're going to start a pro lacrosse hall of fame and more specifically an outdoor professional lacrosse hall of fame, even though they're not attaching outdoor anywhere or field anywhere. It's just the professional lacrosse hall of fame. And so for those of you that didn't hear the news or don't follow them on Twitter, here's how you become eligible. So you play for a minimum of five years, either in the PLL or MLL combined. You're retired from professional play for at least three years. You must be nominated by a member of the hall of fame committee and receive a 75% majority vote of approval for election. Let's see what else they got for us. And then they gave us who the committee is. And uh, just some names that everybody will, will know. Brian Silicott, who's, currently involved with the PLL, uh, Seth Tierney, also, you know, involved in the PLL, Paul Carcaterra, Gary Gate, John Donowski, Dave Petromala, Dom Starja, Tony Rush, Bill Day. Uh, yeah. And then there's going to be another five or so people added to that board. So it looks like they're going to have four, eight, 12, 15, 20 total people on the hall of fame committee. So Anybody that gets nominated needs 15 of the votes. So first of all, Ryan, what do you think of the concept? I think it's great. I think it's probably long overdue. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, it, 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 like I said, it's, it's, it's long overdue. I think they're probably taking what um, the, Le, the Lavelles have done at Lake Placid and how they do those legends of the MLL legends game. And, you know, they have those legends of Lake Placid Hall of Fame type thing. Um, you know, that was the closest thing that you had to like a field, like an outdoor field um, Hall of Fame. And, and I think they're kind of obviously expanding on it, adding some a little bit more legitimacy to it. Um, I think it's a great idea as long as, you know, they 
um, they do it the right way. And it looks like they have a good solid foundation for it. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see like what, what way they go and, you know, who's going to be that inaugural class. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's way too many guys to, uh, to, to go through and, and, and it's going to be really, really tough. I, I wouldn't want to be in that room uh, trying to figure out uh, who that first class is going to be. Especially when you look at the graphic and it says that the first class is going to be only 11 people, um, three attack, three midfield, three defense slash LSM, one specialist and one goalie. If they hold true to that, I mean, we both know the Big Ten doesn't really care what position you play because I think yeah. they had all attackmen. That's on wild. The whole conference team. It was like, that's like Mad Max Thunderdome type stuff. Yeah, they don't care. Here are the best players. No. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like you said. I think it's especially difficult when some of the people on that committee are definitely going to have their names, you know, Gary gate, a couple of other guys are definitely going to be up there for that first class. I don't see how you have three attack room without like a Gary gate involved in that conversation. You know, he was just so unique because I mean, obviously, you know, he's arguably the greatest player of all time now. And I say arguably because, because, you know, you have to leave some discretion because there's some, joker out there will say he's not and i you know and i will say that they are a joker because he is absolutely 110 percent the greatest player to ever put on pads but um he was so unique because he was a player he was a player coach um i mean he did so many things and he was doing this at the tail end of his career and he was still phenomenal mm -hmm. so but i mean you're, you're talking about you got gary gate casey powell john grant jr you know what about mark millen what about um what about uh, Ryan Boyle? Like you're talking about these guys and even some of the newer guys that have been phenomenal pros um, that, you know, they might have to wait their turn. And, and I think that's going to be a great thing, but I also think it's going to give um, people like you and I a ton of stuff to talk about. Yeah. And when you compare this to like baseball over a hundred years of professional baseball, we have had professional lacrosse, what 20 something 21 yeah. years since the showcase season in its current form you know we all we all know about the, the other club leagues that were going on that were really high level before the mll started but yeah we could easily if we just did this 11 person system for the next 15 years that that will make it so that we go a little bit slower because if we just had massive you know hey who wants to get in all these guys deserve to be in all at once. Mm -hmm. Well, then we'd have nobody for next year unless a bunch of dudes retire. So there, we don't have like the alumni pool to do this every single year with like 15, 10 guys. So we're, we're yeah. they're going to take their time just like every other league does. And, you know, well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, you got to do one big class like that first one. So doing a starting a starting group, you know, you got your three attack, three midfielder, you know, you run that whole gambit. That's the first one. Yeah, which, first which arguably is the best team on paper yeah. of all time. And then maybe do three to five every year. Three to five every year, it gives you something to do. One thing, one caveat that I think is going to be really interesting, you know, if you think about how the, you know, the MLO was founded and, you know, everything was controlled by Warrior in terms of the gear you wore and everything like that there's no brand that's like, in, there's no agenda in there with a specific brand where they might be pushing their own players. So I think that this is, you know, this is going to be an unbiased group of people. And you look at that list of people in there, it's, you know, the, it's the who's who of people in terms of lacrosse. Yeah, it runs the whole gambit too. Like it's yeah. not, it's not just one specific group of people. 
I mean, yeah, you have a lot of former, you know, for, former and current D1 coaches. You have a lot of former Team USA guys, but it's it is pretty diverse. I mean, they have pioneer players in here as well, which, you know, it, the whole the whole process seems to cast a wide net in terms of experience, playing experience, coaching experience. Some of these guys never played professional in the MLL. Um, yeah. Some of them never played for, you know, didn't really even play a high level of college lacrosse. So like you have a really wide mix here of experiences. And I think that's good. You have guys that maybe focused more on the media side as well. And so like, mm -hmm. they've seen, you know, like Kark played at a high level in college and then he's really known now for the media side of things. And, but he's, he's seen so many of these players come through professional well, lacrosse. He, he was in the league. He played in the league. Mm -hmm. um, and then he's watched every player essentially that's come in in the last 20 years that's been a part of the professional outdoor league um so i mean and, and uh, you know he's one of you know obviously you know he talks about it a lot he's a syracuse guy he loves syracuse his love for syracuse his love for yorktown is is paramount to everything but he really is an unbiased guy mm -hmm. you know, when i when i when i listen to him do games him and anish are both yeah. syracuse guys and when you call them when he they call the game and i'm always impressed by this they will tear into Syracuse if just as much, if not more than any other team that they are broadcasting. Well, listen, man, though, there's such pride in, in, in being a Syracuse guy, especially when it comes to lacrosse. Um, they're not one to shy away from it when they don't like what they see. Um, case in point, my, you know, our, our friend, friend of the podcast, you know, Rick Beardsley. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, not he, he's not afraid to dust it up on uh, social he's media. made his opinions very clear this season well, especially and, and this season guess what he's not wrong he is not wrong. no no there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions right now and yeah we'll see what happens with all that but let's move on to you know this was one of you know other than the first day of the year where there was a big saturday full of games where we were all you know excited because it was like the first post-covid saturday of lacrosse to these amazing Thursday night ACC matchups that we've been getting today was a special day too, because it was just a ton of very important lacrosse for these conference tournaments. So let's go tournament by tournament today and talk a little bit. And we can even go into yesterday a little bit too, because we had, we had SoCon and Mac and NEC yesterday. So starting with the Mac, we had Manhattan beat Canisius and we had Monmouth beat St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure upset Detroit in that first round, the quarterfinals, which is great for Coach Mearns and unfortunate for another friend of the pod, Coach Colin. But now yeah. we have on Saturday, we've got Monmouth, Manhattan. And I think this is great because, you know, Monmouth, ever since they joined the MAC, it didn't take long for them to be relevant. No. And Manhattan has kind of been in the basement for a few years, not most recently, They've been trending up the last couple of years. Uh, and I think it's just having, when I was in the Mac in 2012, like no one would think Manhattan was going to be on championship Saturday at that time. And well, it took a, it took yeah. a while to change that narrative. And I'm, I'm very happy for the coaching staff there because it was a project and it seems a project that, you know, has become pretty successful. Well, listen, there's no secret as to how this all, all this stuff happens. And, you know, listen, it takes a coach with a vision and a dream and, you know, the ability to recruit 
that, patience that, too. That's paramount. But it, it, it's it's no secret that this happened when Manhattan started putting more money behind their lacrosse program. For the first time ever, they've got a locker room. You know, it took how many years for them to turf over Gaelic Park? You know, they still have, they still have a, uh, uh, their field is still off campus. Mm -hmm. but still walking you, to, to you know, practice, walking to games. Listen, uh, you know, the, Riverdale isn't the, isn't the, isn't the best place in the world, but it's a great education. You know, he, he's got ties to the area, but you know, these were a lot of things and I, and I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let that slide, but coach McEntee did a phenomenal job when he was the coach at Manhattan and brought them to the NCAA tournament. It's been a long time. Cause I think that was 2002, but listen, great job. They are, they're fun to watch. I've watched them play a couple of times this year. Um, it, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, Monmouth is, is a great team as well. It's going to be, I think, I think that has the, the opportunity to be probably one of the better games of the weekend. For sure. Uh, definitely, you know, we're a little bit of max slappies just because we, we have got some ties there. So always love to see those teams in action. And it's unfortunate we didn't get to see Marist more this year, but yeah. you know, I, it's yeah. unfortunate and there's not, you know, there's nothing more to, got to be play. said. At, at least they got to play at some point and they, they held the cards in their hand. Um, I will say it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of garbage of what they did to Detroit and how they made them basically, you know, Hey, you're leaving the conference. Guess what? There's no way you can host a game. And no matter what you do, <laughs> we're going to make this as difficult as possible on the way out. Well, you know, Hey, well, no love lost there then. Yeah. That's all uh, right. Moving over to the SoCon, we had Richmond beat air force and high point beat Jacksonville in a close one. So we get a rematch of a game that just happened a few, maybe even last week of Richmond high point. And the outcome of that one was actually, it was a while ago. I think it was 17, 11, 17, 10. They 17, beat 10. high oh, point. Man. Yeah. They jumped out to a big lead. Richmond did. I think it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, now you're playing playoffs. It's winter, go home. Um, but what I will say is that, uh, you know, and I'm not sure, uh, if, if any of the fans were watching that game, but high point jumped out to a huge lead. I think at one point it was eight, one, and then they almost fumbled the game away. I mean, it, you know, hopefully they can, um, you know, kind of control that. And, you know, if they can do that, you know, they have one of the most dynamic players in the country when he can not turn the ball over. So uh, if he's playing as well as he, as, as we've seen him play at times, uh, they have as good a chance as anybody of, uh, you know, what I would, what I would call, you know, most people would call an upset. Yeah. I think at this point we can definitely call it an upset. Um, just given the fact that they lost the first matchup and, you know, Richmond's been a little bit steadier this season, much mm -hmm. steadier this season, both teams played some ACC games. And I think that is going to help them in the long run for this postseason, whichever team makes it to the postseason. Because we both think of this as a one-bid lead league, obviously. Most definitely. Um, but I will say, I think personally, is you know, you got Lanchbury on one end, you've got Asher Nolting on the other end. I don't think it matters what either what what Asher Nolting does if High Point's defense doesn't show up, because that really is going to dictate if this is a close game or not. And that's what happened in the first game. You know, they were kind of they were kind of throttled from the opening faceoff, and they it took them a while to settle down. And uh, once they did, it was a little bit more even, but you know, I mean, who's to say that, you know, Richmond didn't take the, their foot off the pedal a little bit. Once you kind of get one of those big leads, you, you can kind of coast a little bit. 
um, mm-hmm. especially this season, you know, uh, with everything going on. So we'll see. I think that game can be a toss-up. I mean, if, if I'm putting my money on it, and listen, I'm a jinx. So if I tell you I think Richmond's going to win, there's probably a better chance the high point's going to pull it out. But you know, we'll see. Absolutely. We also had yesterday the NEC semis. So we had St. Joseph's over LIU. LIU had a very good season to start. I think they had, let's see here, they had a five-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. after the opening season uh, with the loss to Sacred Heart 12 to 10. And then it kind of looked like a few of the balances just didn't go their way. They lost 14 to 10, won 17 to 5, lost 14, 13, lost 17, 20. So it's been, they had close games. And then, wow. you know, they, they play St. Joe's on 424, lose, four, lose by one goal. And then they play again yesterday and they lose by eight. So clearly... It definitely you know, helped. It definitely it's St. Helped Joe's conference that, yeah. this year. Um, it definitely helped that LIU had one of the best goalies in the conference, probably the country. I mean, that kid put up 30 saves not too long ago. I mean, uh, you know, when you, if you if you got a hot goalie, you can ride that goalie. And at some point, it, 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 at some point, you know, you can catch it for a weekend. You can catch it for a couple of weeks. Um, it's really difficult to, to keep that consistency. Yeah. Up. And he's only a sophomore from California. Yeah. 58% on the season. That's exceptional sophomore year so they listen they're only going to get better i think they got probably my favorite color combination i think that <laughs> you know they could do some sick stuff with those unis turf looks great um you know there's a lot of people salty that it's liu and not cw post but listen it is what it is but congrats to them on a great season um you know i think you'll this guy's this you know the sky's the limit for them, um, you know, and, and, and they'll only continue to get better. But like you said, St. Joe's, it's uh, I'm going to be interested to see how this game plays out because, you know, you might not have, you know, St. Joe's is obviously the class of the conference, but at the same time, like they're going up against a really tough opponent that has proven to be successful and they have a battle tested coach who knows what he's doing. Um, he's been there before, has brought them to the NCAA tournament before, has brought them to the NCAA tournament and won games before. So um, that goes a long way, you know, it's uh, and St. Joe's has, has been there so many times. I hope, you know, I, I hope that this is the year that they can finally break through because they've done had really great regular seasons. And for whatever reason, they faltered in the ch- conference championship game. So hopefully this is the year they put it together. Yeah. And who are they going to play? They're going to play Bryant, which just beat Hobart. And like you were saying, Bryant is a team with and a very experienced coach. They've been known to upset people in the past, even though this wouldn't be considered a huge upset by any stretch. Uh, the last time that they played was an eight goal game. So I, it wasn't their best outing against St. Joe's. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, either way, very exciting. Always love to see Bryant in the conference championship because, you know, what they're, when their backs, backs are against the wall, it appears that uh, those guys are coached very well and know what to do. So, you know, let's see if they turn it on here for this shot at the NCAA tournament, because again, we see this as a one bid conference. Most definitely. All right. Rewinding just slightly, or actually, no, you know, let's just talk about the Patriot league real quick because everybody else had their semis today or yesterday. They actually don't have their semifinals until Saturday. Uh, which is a little interesting. They had their quarters on Tuesday with Loyola beating Navy, which Loyola is all over the place, honestly. Uh, Very confusing. They were top 
10 or darn close to it in my polls at some point this season. A few losses knocked them out of the top 20. Then they had a big win, knocked them back in. And then they beat Navy, which Navy had been trending up. So Loyola is streaky to say the least. And then on the other side, you've got Colgate and BU. You know, Patriot League, of all the leagues we've mentioned so far, this is the first one that could be a two-bid league, just depending on how strong the resumes are of the teams that make it to the championship. You know, you can't afford to have, you know, if you wanted to be a two-bid league, you need a strong resume going into the conference tournament, and then you got to make it all the way to the finals, and it's got to be a close game in the finals. I think think Patriot League is going to be a two-bid conference. Um, just based off some of the um, results we saw today. And we'll probably get to that, you know, with one of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to that very soon. Um, Yeah. You know, I think Lehigh has a great chance. You know, know, Lehigh's legit. Um, That's going to, that's probably my dark horse to maybe make it, make a run into the NCAA tournament and and maybe upset some people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're, they're never flashy. They're always tough. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, um, uh, yeah, it, it, they're going to be a hard out for anybody. Um, yeah. and I think they're going to be, um, if the, depending on the way the bracket goes, it's going to be a nightmare for, um, if, the, for, for anybody that faces them and they might even be seated, you know, with the way, with the way things go, that might, that's going to be a completely different type of conversation. I wouldn't want to be on the search on the, on the selection committee to, 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 to do that. Yeah, and I real quick about the Patriot League, I did misspeak. Their semis are not Saturday; they are tomorrow at 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. So just to clear that up, all right. Moving on to today's results because all but one game is now over. We're both kind of watching in the corner as Georgetown and Villanova are tied with six and a half to go. But let's talk about the games that did happen already. So America East, this is a league where everybody has been ranked <laughs> out of these semifinal teams. I don't think any higher than like 13, 14. I think Vermont for at one point got pretty high, but they have a lot of teams that are either in that 15 to like 25 spot. Mm-hmm. And that's really tough. So it, it'll probably end up being a one bid league because of that. There wasn't that one consistently dominant team. I mean, even the semifinal games were close. You had Albany over UMBC, 14-12. And I know you watched that earlier and you had a few thoughts or uh, takeaways from that game. Yeah, I mean, listen, Albany, I I was really impressed with Albany's offense with how they came together in this game. Um, Third quarter, you know, they they owned it. And and, um, I I think they owned it and they had a great game despite probably a less than stellar performance in the I mean both goalies were under 40 percent so it was a rough day in cage it looked like the Albany goalie was not seeing the ball as well as he probably would have liked um but credit to to that team for pulling it out at the end um you know they had some really steady play from their midfielders um at the end of the game to um to really kind of pull it out because at one point you know Albany led the whole game you know at at one point they were up 11-8 UMBC comes back ties the game and then you know they trade goals and then albany kind of goes on a two goal run to kind of close it out in the last three or four minutes of the game it was a really entertaining game um i'm really excited i'm really happy to see albany get back to the america east championship despite all the things that have been going on behind the scenes with them as far as you know the hoke and antico getting dismissed from the team and 
all of that stuff. I mean, it was, I think a lot of people were counting them out and they kind of just penciled UMBC into the championship. Um, so good for them. Love to see the great Danes. When great Danes in the playoffs is, is always entertaining. So I hope, uh, I hope they, uh, you know, they can keep it going and, and, and can take it, uh, take it home. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's addition by subtraction. You, you take away a player and you're not necessarily a better team, but you learn to play differently. And maybe that is more effective given, you know, given the recent outcomes, they've been playing very well. So maybe just the style of play, other guys stepping up has benefited them. It's hard to say having him around and his skill set isn't beneficial, but, you know, sometimes it just, you know, we saw it with a different offense whose player was dismissed and they move some things around and they seem to be clicking on all cylinders with, with that move. So, you know, who knows, maybe that's a little bit of it. We'll see. Like you said, it's always nice to see them play in the finals and who are they going to be playing Vermont, which, you know, they beat Stony Brook 10 to seven. Now this one's going to be interesting. I don't have much to say about the Vermont Stony Brook game. However, if you look at the previous games, so Vermont just recently last week, beat Albany 16-14 in a rainstorm. They also played earlier this year and beat them 14-12. So the one thing I do know after two two goal wins is that this game is going to be very close. I I have no doubt about that. Vermont has some very talented scores. You know, they've been they've been sharing the ball pretty well. I think again, if their goalie has as a good game, and their starting goalie is just over 50%, They that could be the difference maker right there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's going to come down to who makes the, who makes more plays um, and who has less, um, who makes less mistakes. As, as, as corny as that sounds and as simple as that sounds, it really comes down to it. I mean, I think for a really long time, the Achilles heel for Albany was, is that it's that feast or famine type mentality with how they play. Um, if they can control the turnovers and they can connect on a lot of things in transition, you know, it could be, an, it could be a, a slam dunk for Albany, but at the same time, you know, you're talking about a Vermont team that is very strong and kudos to them because they have made tremendous strides. And they're constantly the overlooked and yep. everybody is, even though Albany has lost this game twice this year, and it's very hard to beat a team three times. We both know that that's, that just, yeah. <laughs> that's a fact. But Vermont has to have a chip on their shoulder because it almost feels like to the average fan that you still expect Albany to win somehow just because they're Albany. And the fact is, Vermont has been a consistently better team this year. So mm -hmm. they probably still have a chip on their shoulder because people are still overlooking them despite a 2-0 and record in this exact matchup. So Well, that's because they're up there, you know, they're tucked away up in the mountains making mm -hmm. maple syrup and doing things that people do up, up in Vermont and, you know, all <laughs> very specific. Like, I mean, it is, it is what it is. You know, maple syrup is probably great up there. They probably have a great breakfast buffet over in the cafeteria. <sighs> all right. <laughs> I'm just okay. saying. Yeah. You're probably not wrong. I just, I don't know where we're going. All right. CAA. We had Hoster beat Delaware in a close one, 10, nine, uh, obviously all year long, you know, everyone's talking about tyranny. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't even, did he even play today? Uh, he did not have, register a point. 
We did not have a point. Dylan so, McIntosh, James. Ford, yeah, that's Ryan why Sherry. I'm looking at this and I'm like, did he even play? Because when's the last time Tierney didn't get a point? I, I, I can't recall. You know, um, listen, they're, they're, they're really <laughs> strong. They're going to be um, – I, I think for, for them in the finals, it comes down to their goalie play. Um, I think if Bobby Casey has a great game, then uh, Hofstra has a great chance of winning, winning the CAAs and going to the, back to the NCAA tournament. Um, I mean, you, you, can, you can't say enough about Tierney. He's a special player. Yeah, only um, took four shots today, though. So, I mean, if anything, what this tells us is that they can win when he is – well, and he's probably still a huge impact on the game. Yeah, but you have to, if, if he's on yeah. the field, you have to you have to mark him. You he's taking to the top yeah. defender. They're they're paying extra attention. They're sliding early. All that stuff. They're doubling, all that stuff. But for him to not get a point and you still win ten to nine, well, that's I, huge. I, and and it's so uncommon. Usually, for a Hofstra led team in the Seth Tierney era, if their if their alpha dog on offense isn't having a day, it's really difficult for them to win. Because, you know, the, they put the ball in, in the stick of the best player that they have. They did it with Sam Linares. They are doing it with, um, with Ryan Tierney, and deservedly so. Um, it was, this is a great win for them because it showed that they could beat you with everybody else. And yeah. um, you know, Shout listen, out to Dylan McIntosh, five goals on eight shots. And they're playing at home. You know, they, they get to sleep in their own beds, especially in this COVID era. You know, they, they, they get to do what they do. Um, you know, and they're playing in one of the best lacrosse stadiums in, in the country. So, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, they can put it together and, and bring it home. But, you know, they're, they, they've got their hands full with with a tough Drexel team. Yes. And speaking of Drexel, they beat UMass. And again, UMass is a lot like that Loyola team in that they have been all over the place this year. Games that, you know, we didn't expect them to win, they win. Then they go and lose to teams that we didn't think they would lose to. And ultimately, you know, they fall out of the top 20. And Drexel is just having a great year, a quietly great year at nine and two. You know, again, the Drexels, the Vermonts of the world, they don't get the attention that I think other people do when they're nine and two. And uh, I think this is another team that's hungry. I mean, they just recently beat Hofstra 12 to eight. So obviously something clicked the first time around. Maybe it's just a matchup thing, but uh, you know I'm I'm excited for this one. This is one of those games. the 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 finals of the CAA are important this year because it is potentially the depending on how things shake up. I mean, you could make an argument for a second team making it. You could. Um, it's not I, likely. Yeah, I, I I just you know if Hofstra wins, I think Drexel staying home. But I mean, I, I could be wrong. They've had a nice year, but at the same time, um, well, it, it will still depend on some other games too, right? Yeah. Because it all depends. I mean, you got Hopkins, which we haven't gotten to this yet, but we got Hopkins in the finals, so that's going to have an impact on a lot of stuff. Because you know, well, let's just jump into the Big Ten. Yeah. So we had the Big Ten. You know, Michigan with an upset in the first round, so they got to play Maryland. Maryland. I mean. Bernhardt had eight goals. Uh, there's not much more else to Kids say about suck. this. Kids Michigan, suck. Michigan. I will say, the second half of the season, night and day, they look like a different team. They're much improved. They have a lot of really young talent on offense. I think they return mm-hmm. 
a vast majority of their starting offense. Listen, and man, they, next year is going to be super interesting yes. in the Big Ten. Well, and I'll tell you what, Connery's getting those blue chip recruits from all over the country. You know, oh, I yeah. think that these are some of the things that um, they had hoped for when Division One lacrosse was announced at Michigan. And listen, we knew it was going to take some time. People just thought that. Um, you know, because it's Michigan, oh my God, big time, big time football, we'll do this, we'll do that. Like people still didn't understand that it takes time, but I mean, listen, at the end of the day, great finish to the season for them. Mm -hmm. I think at one point during the season, there were like people that were like dropping cardboard boxes off in front of Conley's house and maybe his office to pack his stuff. Cause that's how that's people were like, we need to get this guy out of here. And maybe we hired the wrong guy. I think he's proven those people wrong. Phenomenal coach, great recruiter. Um, I, I think they're poised for uh, a lot of success in the future, um, you know, and, and it's just the society we live in. People are not patient. But <laughs> I think I think Michigan is definitely trending upward for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that they're they're solidly a three four team next year mm-hmm. uh, in in the Big Ten. I I think they climb out of the basement of being that sixth team almost every year, and I think unfortunately, you know. I think that might be Penn State now, just because you lost Grant Amen. You now you lose Mac O'Keefe, and it's like those are two guys that are your program relied on heavily. And you take one away, you you slip up a bit. You take the other one away, it's gonna be tough. So, well, we're not here to predict next year, but you know, Michigan, I think up on the on the upswing. Maryland, obviously, Maryland. number one team in the nation. Yeah. So this is what you expected, if, if not worse, out of them today. So uh, we move over to the other half of the Big Ten, and we've got Rutgers and Hopkins. And Rutgers is one of those teams where – just doesn't want to make the NCAA <laughs> I – you know, you watch them. And, and so, full disclosure, we both live in Big Ten country. So we watch almost every Big Ten game. And Rutgers has so much offensive firepower. Their entire attack line is pretty much – I think they might be older than a couple of the starting attacks in the PLL. They they're they're old. They're very they're very um, senior heavy. And listen, they're a great team. It's it's so hard to win at this level because you know it, there's so many. Well, their defense has parts. been inconsistent, and yeah. that, that's what it comes down and, to. And, and, I, and I and I joke. I love Rutgers. I wanted them to win this year. Um, and and you know I hope that you know I'm still holding out hope that because there's a lot of talk that since they didn't win this game against Hopkins. They might be on the outside looking in when it comes right. to. And that's why I love upsets, especially late in the season, mm-hmm. but I would have preferred Rutgers making the championship so that we could have a two bid league. Mm-hmm. And now that becomes very unclear. Um, it will depend a lot on other things that happen in other conferences and some of the at large stuff. Well, so there's still a shot. I mean, they they have, yeah, a, I would well, say like a 50, 50 shot at this point of getting in because well, there are some other games where I, mean, I think that they still have, it's hard not to take the second best team from. It's, just, it, it's so tough. Things that are outside of their control um, are playing a factor into what's going to happen with the NCAA tournament. Like it's not, um, you know, it wasn't their decision to play conference only. And right. that's the knock on the big 10 this year. You know, they're only playing each other. 
well, you know, like they can only, but that could also be, it could be a good and a bad thing, right? A lot of people think of it as a bad thing because they're like, oh, well, look at them. Like they're not very good. Who's to say that Penn state and Michigan don't roll a couple of these other teams. I don't personally think that that's the case. I think they'd be competitive. You know, listen, but Michigan, Michigan, if they, I'm just if they, saying like, who's to say that, that the big Ten's actually much stronger than we think, but they're just beating each other up. Well, that's it. Just because um, they're not the ACC and we don't have a couple crossover games to prove well, that they're actually better than other conferences. It's, it is tough and it's out of their control, but. Well, and, and that's it. They, if they, if they had the chance to have probably a full season, I think it's a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, but that's that ACC bias, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, the big 10 isn't that good. And, yada 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 like listen the big Ten's legit um you know, yeah no especially at the top especially at the playing, top if they were playing a regular regular season um you probably see teams multiple teams in that conference with double digit wins well hopkins wins the game 12 to 10 it was a close game but they seem to score whenever they needed to mm-hmm. and I mean, they just Hopkins, just like Michigan, the last couple of weeks just look different. Yeah. And they're just playing much like this is the Hopkins team that everybody thought we might see in week one. It takes time. They have a brand new coaching staff with no fall ball. Yeah. So, I mean, props to them. They they're doing they're pulling a Michigan State basketball where like the regular season is up and down and you don't know what's going on. You lose to a couple you know, lose a couple games you don't think you should. And then you just dial it in for the conference tournament. And that's how you get your bid. So we'll see. I don't think that there's enough there to stop Jared Bernhardt, but because they're just Maryland's just too deep and they're, they don't have one gaping hole in that entire roster. If if there's a team to do it, it's it's going (laughs) to be Hopkins because of that rivalry. It stinks that it's not going to be in the state of Maryland, but you know, uh, it, it's good to see them rolling a little bit, um, you know. Yeah, and don't forget, won. it was 14-13, yeah. April 24th. They almost pulled it off. Yeah. And if if well, they like, bring that kind of energy to the game, like, who who knows, man? I mean. You're foolish to think that, you know, it, like, you're talking about Hopkins. These kids get blue. These guys get blue chip. Top 20, top oh, 10, they, top Yeah, five, and they grew up playing recruits. against these Maryland guys, too. You think that they don't know each other? They don't know what's on the line? They those all play high school against each other. don't know how to wheel and deal. Um, they're finally getting used to the new coaching staff. And you're nuts. Pete Milliman was one of the best coaches in the country at Cornell. He didn't just, like, fall into the Hopkins job because, like, you know, he needed a job. Like, he Yeah, I mean, there were other people that interviewed for that job that he beat out for a reason. You know, you know who who knows, who knows. The big question will be who starts for Hawkins, because they've had a few different goalies play. They actually started today, Tim Marcel or Marky. I don't want to butcher it, but he's at fifty-two percent. He's been actually overall their best goalie, even though he's seen the second most time. So, you know, maybe that's wow. part of this you know, this little run that they're on. So we'll, we'll how see. Can, how can a school like that not have a goalie? It's been years. They haven't had a, they haven't had a consistent goalie. I mean, the guy that years. played the most for them, Kirsten, who is the senior, he was at 40%. And so Tim, the sophomore, he's at 52%. We'll see. Maybe they'll ride the hot hand. I'm, I'm checking back a couple of games. I know he started this most recent game tonight. I'm checking the Penn state game see who the goalie was for that 
give and it was him again so he's on a run he was 67 percent against penn state so he started the last two games they've won the last two games i'm checking one more game i'm checking that maryland loss to see who the goalie was in that one well if i'm and it was him so he seems to be the difference maker He's only forty-four percent in the Maryland game. We're but. putting we're putting the cart before the horse here. But if I'm one of those guys and I'm on coaching staff, take a suitcase full of scholarship money and go get yourself a goalie. That's gonna be a difference. <laughs> well, they have because... two seniors and a sophomore right now. So, and the sophomore is trending. So let's see how it goes. Go All right, crew. moving on. So that's gonna be a fun one on Saturday. We also have last but not least. Well, and definitely we... not last but not least. No. This is it. Yeah, it's, it's final. Big East. The game's over. Finally. So let's start with Providence, Denver. Denver, 14 to 5. Gorgeous. I don't think, I don't think too many surprises there. I mean, Denver, the Sunshine State, Denver, gorgeous. Top 10. Top yeah. 10 team. They've been moving up and down a bit. I think they're close, to like they're like five, six, seven ish right now. Um, they were left for dead at the beginning of the year. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're going to sneak up on somebody. Don't underestimate. Well, let's, let's be fair too. beginning of the year. They're playing Utah, then Duke and UNC. And the Duke game was 12, 10. And then two days, they only have one day of rest. Then they play UNC and get throttled 24 to 13. And that was the game where everybody said, Oh no, what happened to Denver? They have all these transfers, you know, Mm-hmm. Then they move into conference play and they pretty much run the table except for one one goal loss to Georgetown. Yeah. So I think really people were only saying that because of the two ACC games, which are two thirds of their losses. So I, I get I get why they got knocked down in the beginning of the season, but that's why you want to have your best lacrosse at the end of the season, right? So they're playing great lacrosse recently. And they're going to be playing the winner of the just recent, like literally just finished game. Yeah, like five minutes, not even five minutes ago. Georgetown over Villanova, two goal victory, 14 12. This one was interesting because Villanova, like, shot out of a cannon here the last couple of weeks. And they beat, they just destroyed St. John's. They destroyed Marquette. They lost to Denver by one. Then they beat Lehigh, who was currently, the, at the who time, was, was a top time 10 team. Yep, yeah, they were almost. I think six or five, they beat them by eight. And that's what really got people's attention. And so they were, you know, they were making the case for themselves at seven and three at the time to get a shot as a two bid league. That becomes a lot more difficult now. I mean, it's still think we're going to see Georgetown and Denver both in this thing. I I don't think you can get around that one. Uh, Georgetown's 11 and two and uh, have some impressive wins. So I think we're going to see Georgetown and Denver both in the postseason. It'll be interesting how this matchup goes for the conference championship, though, because obviously you win and you're in. Um, Denver pulling up the last time that they played Georgetown. So obviously they Denver lost to Georgetown by one, and they beat them by six earlier in the season. So, you know, obviously the series is split one-to-one. You got Jake Carraway on Georgetown. You've got everybody that you already know of on Denver. So Denver's got all the names, but, uh, you know, Georgetown can get it done, man. I mean, he's built an incredible program. People kind of forget about him coming in there and he made noise right away. And then the the program kind of like 
I don't know, just kind of went dormant for a little bit. Well, there were some, there were some culture things that he had to go in there and change some things that he wanted to do that there was a lot of resistance to. Um, I mean, there was a reason as to why it was the way it was. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think now you're starting to see the, the fruits of his labor. Um, You know, that he's a hard nosed guy. And um, I mean, you know, Georgetown is one of those places they're putting more money into their facilities now, but for a really long time, it, it, it was hard for them to compete with some of the other schools that, you know, were within proximity of them. You know, they didn't have the facilities to compete with a Hopkins, a Maryland, uh, you know, I mean, there were, there were some even lower level schools that had better facilities than they did. So, you know, um, once again, schools making more of an investment in them, um, you know, you've got probably one of the better younger coaches in division one. So, uh, I mean, there's that's, and, and he built his team on toughness on the defensive side of the ball. So um, I, I think it's this week, this weekend, it's going to be a big matchup between you know, Denver's offense and Georgetown's defense, like it has been. Absolutely. And I think we're in agreement that as long as nobody gets blown out, by some ridiculous margin that we're probably going to see both these two teams again in the postseason. I think so. It's just at the same time, like, you know, I, I hate this for them because you're looking at the big East, like, you know, had they not, you know, had they not lost to Loyola, I think it's a no brainer, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, they don't really have, I mean, you beat Villanova, like they, they don't. Well, it's kind of the big 10 problem. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a big 10 problem. Um, but at the same time, like they're a good team, they're yeah. a good team for sure. And then, uh, just to point out a couple other games that are going to be happening tomorrow, we have what I think could be a very fun game at 4 PM, which is Syracuse against Robert Morris and Robert Morris. We're big fans of they'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere. And they're very difficult to play because of their unique style. And Syracuse, and Syracuse doesn't have defense. You know, their best defensive player is a D-Mitty, an incredible one. And after that, it's they've had a rough season. There's just no, there's no other way to describe it. It has been a rough season on the defensive end. We know that they have firepower on offense. And uh, they're going to play just this fun-to-watch team in Robert Morris that you can't help but root for. So, I mean, I'd put the over-under at, like, 27 probably in this one just because you know i just think it's going to be a shootout yeah you know this syracuse team reminds me of the 2006 syracuse team um a lot of potential very good that was a final four syracuse team but that was a team that had some inconsistencies in the goal um and inconsistencies on the defensive end of the field um shortly thereafter i think you saw a change at the uh, defensive coordinator position for them. Um, not saying that that that's on that should be on the table for Syracuse, um, but there are some you know their issues. You know they've had a lot of issues. They've had a lot of distractions and say what you want to say. Distractions destroy teams, but um, their defense has definitely not been good. Um, you know I, I wouldn't if you were to tell me tomorrow that hey Syracuse is going to restructure their coaching staff i wouldn't be at the i I wouldn't be the least bit surprised namely Um, their d coordinator is you know we we can just say it yeah i mean listen if i'm if i'm that guy um maybe maybe it's time for a different voice you know i mean they've had a great run 
Um, but at the same time, like they might put it together, you know, maybe they've just had a bad run of luck and, um, you know, you've seen, this is the same team that beats, that beat Virginia. Um, yeah, so no, they, no. They can easily go on a run. It's um, possible, but I think just from the games that we've watched and the performance of, of the defensive unit, it seems to be more than just talent. You know, there's, there's some scheme stuff going on. There's some lack of, I don't know, communication, everything just seems to be a little unorganized on that end of the field. And it doesn't help that Rick Beardsley is tweeting that stuff. So like you pay extra special attention to it. Maybe I, I don't pay that much attention to it in the past, but well, listen, man, they got some studs coming in here and I hate to talk about next year, but you got the number one recruit in the country coming in in the 2022 class. You've got a kid, you've got one of the best kids that you had the best, one of the best freshman recruits this year transferring into Syracuse from Yale which doesn't happen. Nobody mm-hmm. leaves Yale to go to Syracuse. Um, but they've got some studs coming in. They've got some studs there now. Um, you know, this is a team that can be built to go on runs for the next few years. So, um, it, it, you know, it's not for a lack of talent and it's, it's not for a lack of um, ability. So, you know, it's just getting guys to play together. And listen, if, if, Things aren't working. Sometimes you just need a change for the sake of a change. Who, who knows? Who knows? Adapt, migrate, or perish. There you go. And then the other game that's happening, Mount St. Mary's and Wagner, I think that's the only one that isn't a, you know, other than Syracuse, Robert Morris, I think that's the only game that isn't conference related. Yeah. So uh, a full slate of games tomorrow, starting at 11, 12, 4, 4, and 7, and then Saturday pretty much all day long. And then we've got Selection Sunday coming up. And, you know, I would say next week's episode is going to be a lot about that. I, I would highly, um, I would definitely believe that. So no doubt. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, weekend of lacrosse, Ryan, and uh, we'll get back after it next week. Absolutely. As always, it's good to see you, my friend. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.